We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at your Thursday evening. It's January 26th. Uh, after a brutal loss uh, in Houston on Monday, the Wolves bounce back with a win in New Orleans against the number four seed Pelicans. You know, as has been the case for the majority of the Wolves wins since Cat got hurt, Ant was, was huge. He drove the bus in that win. So on today's show, we'll get into... Ant's kind of drive that that he's been on here and check back in on where he might fall in the all-star conversation as that's getting closer to being selected. I think the starter's actually getting chosen tonight. Uh, but Ant did not win that game in New Orleans by himself. Uh, we've also got to talk about the rest of the starting lineup who all got involved at least by the, the second half. Jaden McDaniels, D'Angelo Russell had some big late game shot making. Thought Rudy go was one of Rudy's better games. Uh, his rim defense, I thought, really stood out in that game. And then Kyle Anderson, who really struggled in the two games against Houston, he bounced back in a big and kind of unique way uh, Wednesday against the Pels, too. So we'll talk about his production and, yeah, just also how he's been so critical to getting Gobert going as well. Uh, we'll get into all this with uh, Kyle Tige from Score North, who joins the show every Friday. Kyle, thank you for being willing to bump this up to Thursday night so we could uh, talk about this game. You ready to get into this? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, as I told you before we hit record, um, I have some thoughts on some topics. I know I usually do, but uh, this one might get this one might go out of control because there's uh, some interesting topics here, whether it be all-star stuff or some coaching stuff. So uh, I've been looking forward to this pod. Well, should we just do the all-star thing like right off the bat? Yes. And I think that's just sort of, I want to. I've talked about All Star a couple times over the past like two weeks, and initially I went about it, you know, just kind of looking at picking twelve guys from the West, and then as you kind of hone in on it a little bit more, we figure out who we think is or might not be eligible for All Star based on how minutes they, many minutes they played. We're sort of getting a picture here, and then also the the way I haven't talked about it is through the vein that Ant is only eligible to make the All Star team as a backcourt player as a guard and you get six at most six Western conference guard spots. There's the two starters, there's the two reserves, and then they have two wild card spots that can go to front court players or back court players. I think in the West, those will probably both go to guards as well, but that's still just 
six total guards. And when you go through the list, it's tough, man. It's uh, it's Luca, Steph, SGA, John Morant, uh, De'Aaron Fox, Damian Lillard, and then, you know, Ants in the mix right at the end of that or right outside of that as the, the sixth or or seventh player. I think with the context of knowing only six guys can make it, that makes his case a little bit harder, but it, it sounds like um, you don't care. You think Ant should be in regardless. So this is a big topic because they're doing this on the 26th of January. And I think tonight they announced the starters and then the captains from those starters. And then next Thursday is uh, reserves. Which means the and coaches will be voting here sometime in the next week on who those reserves would be. So let me preface all of this by saying two things. One, I don't care about the All-Star game. I don't care about the home run derby. I don't care about the Pro Bowl. Uh, if I won't bet on it, that's probably a bad sign for their ratings. And then two, position eligibility is stupid. The NBA is stupid for a lot of reasons, and I'm going to get into some of them later. But for this one, that is the one caveat. I think it's like, isn't it guards and then like forward slash centers and then you get a couple wild card picks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yes. you technically, I didn't want to push back, but you technically could have more than six guards. No. Because the wild card, right? No? No, you couldn't. The, the wild card, it's two starting guards, two backup guards, and two wild card spots. So at most, it's six guards. Okay, well, I'm, what I'm going to use is something that it's not my fault. I love Jace Frederick, but Jace Frederick quote tweeted it, got me all triggered about what Danny LaRoe from Athletic posted. But they posted their picks. Mm-hmm. So it was him, Nate Duncan, Dan Feldman. Two of them had Kawhi Leonard. As of today, the Timberwolves and the Clippers have both played 50 games. They're one game off in the standings. 50 games. Kawhi Leonard has missed 25 of them. That's 50% of the games. Paul George has missed 16. That is 32% of the games. Anthony Edwards, I have my masters, has missed zero. That is 0% of the games. He has played in all 50 of them. Now, this is another tangent about load management. And the kid who showed up from Peru to watch Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler was scratched and that kid didn't get to watch. Like, the NBA is in such a dumb fucking place right now with load management and these guys not playing. Anthony Edwards does play. So I know that his start of the season wasn't great. I know you have some stats, some splits, some pre-cat, some post-cat. Anthony Edwards has not missed a game. I don't. I think there's seven players in the league who have played 100% of their games. Hmm. But when you start giving me like Draymond Green, was on their list. Draymond Green is averaging eight points, seven rebounds, six assists, and one knocked out teammate for the ninth place Golden State Warriors. Okay. <laughs> cool. Damian Lord has missed 12 games. He did drop 60 last night. He'll probably make, but his team is like 11. Standings probably don't matter as much this season because between what, four and 13, it's like two and a half games. I get it. But anyone listening to this also comes from the Kevin Love school of, empty stats or whatever. Like when Kevin Love was balling on like the 12th place team in the league, like Damian Lillard is right now on the Blazers. It was, yeah, but his record's not good enough. So I just want some level of like consistency on this. Um, Anthony Davis is in everyone, not just these three, not to isolate them, but Anthony Davis is on everyone's ballot. He's missed 23 games. The Lakers have played 48. This is, and again, let me go back to the start. I don't really care about the All-Star game. But the problem is, is that people do. And this shit matters. 
Because when Ant gets snubbed, he's not going to make it. When Ant gets snubbed next year, and there are a bunch of interesting, cool things that go into making the All-Star game and things that happen in your contract. Well, let me let me say, you you turned me on to this. Um, good Kyle Nugget. You'd, you'd heard something. Big uh, J moment here. Yeah. Um, and And I did some follow-up on it today. So what you said to me was that you'd heard if Ant makes the all-star team, he gets a signature shoe from Adidas. And I asked around on that, and I got that confirmed. So if Ant does make the all-star team this week, then Adidas will make a signature shoe for Ant. And I, again, signature shoe, I'm 33 years old. That's not as much important to me. But to your point, in all seriousness, this stuff does matter. All-star appearances matter in terms of legacy, in terms of perception, in terms of money. And that's one maybe small example of of how it does. And I mean, you're a little bit more aggrieved than I am about potentially not making it. But I do I do agree. And I've been saying for months now, like Ant needed to deliver in this time to keep the wolves uh, their heads above water while Cat is out and he is more than done that and and i guess what i would say is what more could have ant really done over these now 29 games that cat has been out has it been has ant been a 100 out of 100 no but i think he's gotten an a um i think he's probably a 93 out of 100 in in this time that that cat's been out and and in the aggregate he has really strong numbers for the entire season and really strong numbers that have actually only gotten better since Cat has, has gone out. He, across the board, his his numbers are up. Point, he's up to 26 points per game in the time that Cat's been out. His rebounding's up. His assisting is up since Cat's been out. His three-point percentage jumped up by 4% comparing the two times. And the only area you could say Ant has taken any sort of step back when Cat is out is his two-point percentage. And that's because his usage is gone way up. Defenses are way locking in on him a lot more. But broadly, Ant has gotten better since Cat has gone out. And I don't think that's an example of like Cat was holding him back at all. No, it's I think it is Ant having taken the reins of a team that needed the reins taken once Carl Anthony Towns went out. So he has an extremely strong case that we can go through what those guards are. But I I think you're I think a extremely strong point is the fact that Ant has played in all 50 games this season and a lot of these other guys who will make it positions be damned uh have have not. Here's a fun fact. If you go to the NBA or the NBA tab of like the ESPN app and you want to look up stats, you're not going to find Kawhi Leonard on it. Why? Because when you scroll down to the bottom, <laughs> it says to qualify, a player must play 70% of his team's games. So ESPN doesn't even want Kawhi Leonard on the list. Okay. And then back to your shoe thing a little bit, because again, I, I'm not a reporter. You are, I appreciate you kind of looking into that for me, but um, I do live out here in like Shoeville, right? Nike and Adidas have campuses. This is how Ja got his shoe. Like Ja, it, the, the, you have no idea how long it takes to de- design these shoes and these clothing brands and stuff. Like they've been working on that Ja shoe for a year as soon as he hit the all-star game. And then obviously he kind of balled out in the playoffs, but I mean, the yeah, these are, these are clauses to clarify. These are clauses that are written into, into your the contract. contracts that they have that jaw triggered 
and Ant would trigger if he make if and when he makes an all-star team. And the reason that I'm more, what did you say, aggrieved about this than you, and that rightfully so, because you're a sane person and I'm an insane person. Um, first of all, like 21-year-old Anthony Edwards getting his own shoe, let's call them the Ant Ones, which would be sick, by the way, uh, is a big deal. And I think it's a big deal for the franchise. I think it's a big deal for the market. Because I, we have some friends, some you know, mutual friends that like cover the Grizzlies and stuff. That's a big deal that John Morant is like one of the faces of Nike now. And knowing people out here that work for Adidas, like they're struggling with like their next generation of like who is the face of our brand. Um, also, back to the All Star thing. Let's say Ant gets snubbed because Kawhi Leonard has played fifty percent of his games. And also, by the way, Kawhi Leonard making the All Star team. Just think about this from a game standpoint. What's Kawhi doing in the All Star game day? probably going through warm-ups and then sitting right so he's not even <laughs> jimmy play. butler yeah, yeah yeah but also let's say Ant gets snubbed next year year four it's gonna be like oh you know what i don't know man Ant can't uh, he might have to demand a trade like to the bigger market he just he's never been an all-star you know he, he can can you be an all-star in a small market like minneapolis so the same people that are going to snub him are going to 12 months from now trigger the shit out of me by being like, I don't know if he can make it. I don't know. He didn't do enough last year. It's like, what do you mean? He's played twice as many games as Kawhi Leonard. So I know you had some good stats. Yes, he's made a jump. Yes, he's had to carry his team. Um, I know there's other factors that go into some of this stuff. But I really, truly have looked at this the last couple of weeks. This is really just a legacy thing. This is I mean, I, I have, you can argue, I guess, for so many other guys. Like, Jaw's going to make it. Dame should probably make it, even though his team's not that good. All these other guys, but like, Kawhi Leonard one just sticks out. He just doesn't play basketball. He doesn't want to play in the in the game either. Like Anthony Davis has missed, I think, 48% of their games or something. At some point, availability has to matter because, again, I don't want to get into the standings because they can change so dramatically every day. But let's just say you get one free what-if token. If they just were to beat the Rockets one more time, they'd be a half game back of the four seed. So if Anthony Edwards was the fifth seed and played all 50 games and has stats that are actually on the sortable page. Mm -hmm. What like truly, what else does he have? To, like, does he have to buy Twitter? Like, what else does he have to do to, like, get on the good graces of making this all starting? Well, and I, 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 I'm totally with you on on the guys not having played games. And I throw Zion in there, too. He's under a thousand. Yeah, minutes. That, but Zion well, Williams has missed 20 games. And, and I don't think. Kawhi Leonard is is going to make it because I think the coaches will recognize the 25 games missed in ways that some of those other analysts did did not. The the point though, brass tacks, like, is Anthony Davis, Zion Williamson, and Kawhi Leonard are eligible as front court players. And Ant is competing because he only has backcourt eligibility for the six backcourt spots, as I understand it. And I mean, we can't make a case that he should be over Luca. We can't make a case that he should be over Steph. We can't make a case that he should be over John Morant. And I don't think we can make a case that he should be over Damian Lillard. So that's four. And then and then I think there's two more spots, and it becomes Shea Gilgis-Alexander, De'Aaron Fox, and Anthony Edwards. And what, So you're not throwing Devin Booker in there because he is on this list that I quote well, tweeted Devin Booker has missed 20 games. And 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 I I personally, because he's missed all those games, would – you know, I would pull him out of there, but you're right. He could end up being, he could end up being the coaches could vote him in too. But for the sake of this, we're pulling him out and we're comparing Ant to De'Aaron Fox 
and Shea Gilgis Alexander. And those are two interesting different cases because the Wolves, by the time they vote, are very likely going to have a better record than the Thunder and certainly have a worse record than the Kings and Darren Fox, right? I I think he if the Wolves and Kings were closer in the standings, Ant would get in or have a, a stronger case. But these coaches, again, I was doing some texting around today and they're like, it's gonna come down to the records when 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 you start looking at that. And I then I brought up Shea and I'm like, okay, well then Ant is gonna have a better record. Ant's team is gonna have a better record than Shea's team is. And then it becomes the case of, okay, individually, how do we compare Shea versus Ant? And I would say individually, in part because Ant started slow, as we said, Shea has had a better individual season than him. But what are we weighing here? Are we weighing the record or not? I mean, this is what it's going to come down to. And from the people I've talked to today, I their belief in the coaches' minds who are doing this, they are going to be weighing the standings more. So what does that mean for Ant versus Shea versus Fox? I don't know. Um, but I think that's what we're looking at here practically in terms of Ant making it or not. Yeah. Who do you th- okay, you think who, he should you, make it? You, so who should who, who should he be vent? out? No, no, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not trying to argue well, with the, you. Never, saying, I, I, my, my thing would be is if you've missed north of 20 games. Okay, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm, I'm saying Booker's out. So do you think that Ant should make it over? Shea Gilgis Alexander or De'Aaron Fox? I'm not even going to argue with back with you. I'm just, I'm just telling I, you. I to think pick some. I, I, when we did this last week or maybe two weeks ago, I actually have watched a lot of Kings games. It's the West Coast thing, but they're also so much fun. Like, if you're going to the watch the Kings, it's, it's like a two game series at home, right? Next week. Yeah, that is must watch TV. They're really well coached. They're great. Sabonis to me is like a lock. I don't think Darren Fox is a lock, and I know what people would say, dude. They're 27 and 20. Yeah, the Wolves are a game and a half back. And this actually all gets decided within the next week. So, like, we're kind of into weird must-win territory for this next week if Ant really wants to. Like, I saw, I think I saw that Ant has more 37-point games since December 18th than he has games under 20. It's a weird yeah. stat, but it's also kind of sweet. No, um, that checks so out. So he kind of has to hoop for the next week. But I have no problem putting him in over, over De'Aaron Fox. Um, Shea Gilles Alexander has been phenomenal. And we'll, we'll beat out Ant, but, like, I don't know. I'm getting, I'm just saying I cheered for Kevin Love all those years when it was, he was outperforming whoever the forward was on the seventh seed, but it was like, yeah, but the wolves have a bad record. It's like, well, the thunder aren't good. Yes. They're fun. They're going to be great. But so what is so your, I, so you're saying, Ant or I would Fox. have Anthony. Edwards I, I, over I don't, Fox. I don't have a, I really don't have a, you're trying to put my objective have, hat. On. I would have I, Anthony Edwards over De'Aaron Fox and over Devin Booker. And I would not have him over Shea. And I think Dame sneaks in be, record aside because he is doing some mm-hmm. stuff. That's like, otherworldly so he would be my sixth guy yes it's tight i know all that it's more so just if anything i'm pulling myself out from ten thousand feet and just venting about you just made a lot of great yeah. points and they all came from people that work in the league but if you're listening to this they all were a bunch of moving field goal posts <laughs> totally it's like oh a little more stats oh a little better record oh it's just and it just comes down to being a minnesota fan you just get frustrated because like, none of this is consistent and then you factor in that shoe thing which is not a be-all, end-all, Ant's going to get a max this season no matter or this summer no matter what, but you are starting to mess with people's bread. You're starting to mess with the image. I mean, I just think if Anthony Edwards from the Minnesota Bleepin' Timberwolves was one of the four Adidas guys that has his own shoe, that's like, let's hang a banner. There's a lot of room in Target Center. Like, there's That's a big, big moment 
for this organization. Um, as stupid as that sounds, mm-hmm. but yeah, Ant over De'Aaron Fox is not a problem for me. You said he needs to ball out over this next week. Um, I think we should point out that he has been doing that. Um, last 10 games, 28, 5, and 5, 39.5% from three on super high volumes, taking 86 threes in those 10 games and 50% from two. Just isolate for the last three games, 37.3 points per game, 5 and 5, 2.3 steals, 50% from three, and 52.6% from two. So he is very much making the push that he needed to make to be in this conversation that is, you know, still a difficult conversation just this weekend, you know, will be, it will matter because I'm assuming the coaches will vote like on Monday or something. You got Memphis on Friday and you got Sacramento on Saturday, right? So I think that's two more in there. You propel yourself up a couple more games in the standings. You have those stats roughly hold. Um, yeah, then I think we can talk about Ant oh, over sure. Deer and Fox because the the gap in the standings will be will be small. One of the two of them is is going to get snubbed, and I always say, you know, a, a lot of people say this, is not just me, but it's the snub is, you know, wh- who should have they been in over, right? And for Fox or for Ant, you know, that'll that'll kind of be the the toss up there. Kyle, let's uh, let's take a quick break here and then talk. A little bit more specifically about Ant in that Pelicans game, and then also what else went down there. We'll be back with Kyle in a minute. Today's show is sponsored by The Genesis Company. The Genesis Company is one of the world's most successful firms at scaling brands across direct-to-consumer and retail channels. Their consultants have helped over 300 brands generate more than $3 billion in retail sales thanks to their marketing team's next-gen technologies to influence consumers. Currently, their sales team manages over 100 brands found online and on retail shelves around the world. On average, after working with the Genesis company, clients increase the valuation of their firm by a factor of three. So whether you want to build your brand or eventually sell your firm, they're undefeated and the best of the best. Because they are Minnesota-based and fans of this podcast, they're offering free access to their proprietary AI that lets any founder know if their brand is meeting its potential. In a few hours, you'll know how big your brand is supposed to be. Email them at grow at signthegenesiscompany.com to get your free access and find out if your brand can be the next big thing. That's grow at thegenesiscompany.com. All right, Kyle. Additionally, we want to tell the listeners about Falling Knife Brewing Company uh, games on Friday and Saturday this weekend uh, at Target Center. If you're not going to Target Center, um, as always, Falling Knife is a place to watch the game. They have the games up on their projector screens, TVs throughout the tap room. Um, that's a place that you can go with your friends. It's maybe you're coming back around on the Wolves. They've, uh, you know, they've set the hook again. <laughs> I don't know. Um, they're 25 and 25. They're the, the middle of the West. Go watch them at Falling Knife. And additionally, um, Falling Knife is wanting to promote their Super Bowl party on, on February 12th, uh, Again, if you've been to the tap room to check out Wolves games, you know what the, the setup will look like for the Super Bowl. Um, it's $45 tickets for the, the Super Bowl party, which is for um, all-you-can-eat food from Mario's in St. Paul. And you can also you also get a pitcher of beer or two free pints with that. So check out Falling Knife if, uh, for Wolves games this weekend or for the Super Bowl on February 12th. That's Falling Knife Brewing Company in Northeast Minneapolis. 
All right, Kyle. So, Ant in in that Pelicans game, I think we could we could transition from the I'm better now. Thanks yeah, for the break. The 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 All Star conversation ties into the play of late, which Ant has totally been driving for this team. I mean, at halftime, where they had 46 points as a team, Ant had 20 of them. That has unfortunately been a theme for this team, where it feels like Ant is going and no one else is really coming along with him. Until the second half. That again happened in in the Pelicans game. The other four starters are really what stood out to me there. And Rudy, Kyle, uh, D'Angelo, and Jaden. Which one of them do you want to start with in terms of what they were able to add to kind of the freight train that was Anthony Edwards in that game? Well, selfishly, I'd kind of like to start with Jaden. Sure. Because I actually uh, was 24 minutes away from having a completely meltdown about him as a player. Uh, they got all turned around and everything's better. Um, I will say this, just a couple things. One, the Pelicans game to me was maybe the most entertaining, fun game all year. I don't know if you have other ones in mind, but not just because of like Jaden hitting that shot. But I only have other ones in mind because I think this is the fourth time you've said this this year. No, but that's fine because you can continue to like, you know, we've now yeah, we're at mile fifty. Like, um, I just thought I watched that whole game and the first quarter was eh, Timberwolves stuff. Second quarter. I was thinking of you, how you always say, like, let go of the rope. I mean, they were clinging to the rope in the second quarter. I think I don't know, someone tweeted at half, like, how is this team down six? I was like, yeah, they should be down 16. And then in the third quarter, they played what I would deem the two best minutes of basketball they played all year. They had that, like, 14-0 run that was, like, kind of coincided with a couple just insane. Kyle Anderson had that bounce pass <laughs> from the top to Rudy, who basically jumped from the free throw into dunk. And then he also had this one where Kyle got a ball from D'Lo like on the baseline and Kyle just kind of stood there and waited and then threw a lob to Rudy. Like it was awesome basketball. And then the fourth quarter was also really exciting. And I have some thoughts that I want to share with you on that. But yeah, the first 24 minutes at halftime, I think Jaden was one for two with 2.0 rebounds and an assist. (laughs) And I was like, if this happens for 24 more minutes, I'm going to lose my mind because you just have spewed out a ton of really good ant facts, stats. Um, But Jaden was just nowhere to be seen. It's like, God, you're starting like he finished the game with zero rebounds, actually. But when you always say, like, who else is going to come to the party? They don't have Cat. They don't have TP. They don't have McLaughlin. It's like, dude, Jaden, you need to come to the party. And then, thank God, in the end, he did. He hit that kind of fadeaway from the corner. Then he hit, obviously, the game, I would say, clinching three. Um, But he was he just needs to do more. right? Like, that's like my negative side is he just needs to do more offensively in these spots. You can't give your team two shots like you can't be eighth at halftime when you're down six in shot attempts um but his defense i don't know what you want i don't know if you have stat his defense was a, a otherworldly again he follows all the time it is what it is but i thought he gave brandon ingram fits yes bi was rusty but i don't i don't think all of that was just poor rust i think some of it was just Jaden kind of in his grill yeah i to point to those two uh shots he hit when it was about three minutes left in the game mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it was there was that baseline fadeaway, and it was it was a pick and roll. Rudy on the short roll kicked it out to Jaden to hit the three there. What stood out to me rewatching that was that CJ McCollum was guarding Jaden in both of those on both of those possessions. And with CJ defensively, he kind of functions like D'Lo does for this team, right? You want to you want to put him on the least weaponized offensive player to you know to be able to get away with it, even if that player is eight inches taller than him, as as Jaden is to CJ. And 
I thought about that from the context of, you know, some more high leverage games, maybe a play-in game, a playoff game. Like, Jaden to be that type of weapon is extremely valuable to this team when they're in those type of games, as we've seen, like, the counterpositive too, right? With with D'Angelo Russell, it's why at times they, at times they do close with D'Lo because he is able to guard in those situations or his offense is so important. But when you're able to pick on that, particularly in late games, as they did with CJ McCollum, we know that the value of that is like almost exponential in, in those times. So as we find the Wolves and Jaden in more of these high leverage situations at end of games, and he is the player that is probably getting the least defensive attention as he did on that last shot against uh, Utah that he missed in the corner. Like he is going to be in those situations and for him to be able to be a weapon there, that really changes the dynamic of how you can guard this Wolves team. Plus, if you put are putting Cat in the mix there too, like he moves down almost like another spot on the the defense, like how the defense is caring about him pecking order. That's that stuff matters. Jaden, yeah, as you said, like the defense, we kind of know what it is. It's great. The fouling's terrible, but the offense is taking these steps forward, and you're you're seeing him be able to do more at all three levels. And yeah, we should not be sleeping on that. This is a little behind the curve, but this is how big of a loser I am. But when you came out to Portland a couple months ago, like you got me just motivated. I have this little notebook now. So it's just me watching Timberwolves games on my couch, writing down notes. But I actually wrote down the CJ thing. And I wanted to say that because <laughs> it reminded me of CJ's former teammate. Remember when you were out here? That's what they did with Damian Lillard. They yep. just put Dame on Jaden and Dame got two days off. He just got to go on vacation because Jaden did nothing offensively. Some of that's on him. Some of that's that they admittedly say we never really run plays for him. But that is like an issue that does need to be addressed because he is making whoever he guards on defense like work so hard. Right. right? I mean, he puts a lot of dudes in prison. That's a lot of work, right? Like, I don't even know what to think about the zero rebounds because you got Rudy out there. Other guys are hitting the glass. And like a lot of times he's on the guy shooting the ball, you know, mainly. Um, but offensively, it's like if he could be more of a threat so that not only is CJ McCollum or Damian Lillard or Brandon Ingram having to work when they're trying to cook, but they also have to run around screens or follow their guy on backdoor cuts or attack the offensive glass when, you know, Jane's getting in there. I think it would just make him work even more. So you said it better than I could, but it, it reminded me of they did. They put CJ on him so CJ could rest. And that's what they did with Damian Lillard. And that's how Lillard cooked him in those two games. Right. And it's just something they they have to kind of clean up. Um, but he's been great. And I mean, he's going to get paid this summer. I don't I never really I mean I would just give him all the money and ownership. I don't think that's legal, but I'm sure you have numbers on like what he could actually make. But yeah, no, I think that's an interesting like topic. I remember what I did my little D'Lo salary slot thing even just two weeks ago. I penciled in Jaden for an extension this summer for four years, 100 million. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. can kind of scale up like 22, 24, 26, 28, whatever. Um, and and get up to a hundred million for him. And again, with Jaden, it's it's his contract doesn't end at the end of this season. You're just allowed to offer that extension, you know, prior to their fourth year in the league. Ant is going to get a max extension. There's no ambiguity about that. They will offer him a max extension the first day they can this summer, and it'll kick in for 2024-25. With Jaden, I'm wondering if I'm selling it short at you know 25 million a year like ant ant is 
again, Ant is going to start at 35. It's going to escalate. It's going to be 5204. That, that's what his deal will be. With, with Jaden, I want, if I'm his agent, like you, you intimately understand how valuable he is to this team. And if Jaden, whatever Jaden's like fair market value is, let's say that's the 4 100, like I feel like you can leverage that if you are, are the agent and be like, no, it needs to be over, you know, 25 a year. And, and again, I'm not saying he won't sign an extension this summer. They like that. They won't come to some agreement. I would very much assume that Jade McDaniels, I almost guarantee that Jade McDaniels is on the signs another contract with the Timberwolves. I just wonder if it will happen this summer or not, you know, like maybe they just, they hold out like Deandre Ayton style and they say, well, we're going to do that contract once it's at the actual end of your contract. And if you need to, if you think you're worth a max or closer to a max, go get that on the open market and we'll sign it as the Suns, you know, did with Aiton. I, I don't mean this to be negative. I'm just like looking at the numbers, trying to understand Jaden's value. And and I think that value is going to only go up. I, I just wonder if we might not see McDaniel sign an extension this summer, or if we do, maybe it is for even more than that 4-100 Mikel Bridges level contract that, than I was anticipating. Does that make sense? Yep, that makes sense. I'm glad you said that you name dropped Mikel Bridges because he's on like a, a pretty much a standard four for a hundred. Yeah. Uh, that over at Flagrant Howells, Phil McIntyre actually did this and we talked about it and I said that would be a good spot, like four for 100. Um, it's funny that you say DeAndre Ayton. I was just kind of playing around on my phone. DeAndre Ayton and Jane McDaniels are represented by the same agent, mm-hmm. Bill Duffy. Yep. Um, who also represents like uh, a couple other guys, but like RJ Barrett, I think. But I mean, it's just, I don't know. Whenever, listen, if you're listening to this pod, sometimes Dane says stuff. You always got to ask, kind of be a little thinking, like, why did he say that? But yeah, Aiton had the same agent and was kind of played hardball and got his max. Um, Can Jaden get to 35? I don't know. But I guess I'm just saying, is it like, so if I was his agent, I'd just watch, I'd look at Twitter every night. Like, (laughs) like that would, I would just print out tweets and be like, look at what this stupid kid said about Jaden going to the DMV. Like you got to give him 35 million. So they're going to, I mean, yeah, they're going to, the baseline is going to be Mikel Bridges. Mm-hmm. Like that's non, that's a non-starter. And with inflation and the cost of eggs, like they're probably going to push for 30, right? Yeah, that's um, that's all I'm saying is, does it end up being closer to the 35, which is the maximum starting salary mm-hmm. that, that he could get or that 22, which would be the four for 100 if you went up by 2 million a year. And I, I mean... I, I don't know. I, I think I think they probably would push for closer to that 30, 35 than they would be being cool with 2025. 20, and if you're his agent, which I wish I was, uh, you probably at some point bring up because you do negotiate these things with the front office. Like, remember when you didn't trade him and you forced out more <laughs> first round picks? Like, I can't think of a guy, and I know I'm the president of the fan club, but I can't think of a guy who has more leverage. <laughs> I'm the only guy who can really defend every night. Um, you basically gave away a decade's worth of first round picks to keep this player in house. He's developed at every stage. And then as we get into more awards that I don't really care about, but like when we start talking about all NBA teams and all defensive teams, if Jaden were like make an all defensive team, maybe somehow, some way, that's, that's only going to raise the price, right? Like you're not mm-hmm. going to make all defensive team and then be like, yeah, dude, I'll do four for 80. 
um, it's just going to, that, that's going to be a real interesting thing. I mean, it's not something that, like you said, is really applicable today, but this summer when they become eligible, it's going to be, I mean, you, you're in a really interesting situation as a team. I don't know if you can think of one off the top of your head where like, you got two dudes from the same class that are both untouchable in trades and awesome and what you would deem to be stars. And they're both going to be up for max contracts extensions in the same year. I mean, you just don't really see that in the NBA. It's usually like we drafted, you know, James Harden for the Thunder one year and Russell Westbrook the next year. Like the Wolves got two of their guys in the same draft. Huge. I, I think to the um, the all defense points, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, to the all defensive point, like I, I just I tweeted this out today just because I, I looked it up and Jaden does lead the league in fouls this season. Uh, he has 167. <laughs> And the next highest is DeMontis Sabonis at 161. And Sabonis has actually played 100 more minutes than Jaden has. So Jaden is, obviously, we're all watching these games. We know he's fouling at a, a really high rate. And I when I tweeted that out, I saw a couple of like replies to it. And people are like, this is why he's not going to make the all-defensive team. I'd be pretty shocked if Jaden McDaniels doesn't make an all-defensive team this year. Like, I, I don't think that is going to have a huge burden on on his voting there like you just i mean it's going to come down to you know how intimately are you watching the wolves oh, maybe it maybe it moves him down from first team to second team but if we're talking about 10 players making all defense i, I don't know i mean I, I haven't done the exercise like and that's that is i think that's probably the hardest award to vote on 100 percent. yeah yeah but because the metrics for that are you've got you know it's my the, dad and you Indiana don't want to use votes. metrics on that man i mean like Remember, yes like, someone's just gonna go blocks and steals you know what i mean like someone's just gonna go like ant's gonna eat a couple of Jaden's votes because ant like is top three in the league in steals mm -hmm. and i love ant but ant's not an all-defensive player by any means so it that but you're right i just want to say like the all-defensive stuff is probably the hardest thing to vote on mm -hmm. across the league and I've, I've talked about this before not recently but a lot of this stuff comes down to who does Zach Lowe think? And that seems like it's given him way too much credit. But I remember it's a great point. I remember when I was looking at stuff for Cat for All NBA is when it was going to make this difference in 30 some million in his contract that he didn't get. Um, and actually, Rudy Gobert got uh, all NBA over him that year. I remember just texting, DMing, whatever, all the all the people that I knew who had all star votes and just being like, hey, where are you at on this? Towns versus Gobert, all NBA thing. And in almost every one of those text back and forths, Zach Lowe came up and the fact that he had determined in a very Zach Lowe type of way that he thought Gobert deserved it over over Cat that time. So I just, I say that to mean media is voting on this and whatever. I mean, I, I very much respect Zach Lowe. I know different people just hate the idea no, that media is is involved in this at all. The reality of the situation is media is. And when Zach Lowe and Bill Simmons or whatever get on and do their who should make the all-defensive team, I promise you that will be a factor in whether or not Jaden McDaniels makes it. Well, I think Zach Lowe is like the GOAT, but he also has like said all the time, like, I don't even want to do this, yeah. but I have to. It's part of my job, right? It's I have to vote on this stuff, but it is the whole media voting on thing is, again, kind of ties into the shoe thing. It's just a weird thing that doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but oh my God, it like affects players' salaries and then salaries affect <laughs> your salary cap and then that affects your front. It's just all that stuff. But totally. uh, no, I, I'm with I'm with you. I, I'm actually 
have a big dumb smirk on my face. I'm shocked that you would say that because I just always thought those all defensive teams again, for the most part, are either just blocks and steals or another legacy thing. So I, I mean, it would be great. That would actually give me hope in the world if Jaden made it because. You catch a national televised game every once in a while, and I get it. Like, I really do. Like, it's hard to cover one team. So to have knowledge of all 30 is tough. You're kind of just getting nuggets that day of when you're interviewing people. But on a national level, it doesn't seem like a lot of people really know who Jaden is. It's like the nerds that cover the league, like me or you or whatever. But um, that would be that would be amazing. But again, to the whole point of this exercise is that whether they do make a run here and climb the standings and get a little more national attention or he makes all defensive team or whatever. We always knew how Ant was going to get paid and will get paid. Mm-hmm. But we were always curious about how Jaden, the 28th pick in the draft, would get paid. We knew he w- would get some money, but um, I think it's important that you bring up that like he might be making way more money than we originally thought he would. Kyle, let's take, uh, let's take one more break, and then um, let's get into Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert specifically. Today's show is sponsored by Factor, and Factor has been a meal prep plan that I've used dating back to 2020. Grocery shopping was obviously complicated back then, so I wanted to find a meal prep plan that delivered healthy meals to my door. What I really enjoyed about Factor was that the meals were ready to eat. No chopping, no prepping, no cleanup, just heat the fresh, never frozen meals, and you're ready to go in two minutes. Factor has been a way for me to eat healthier and limit the amount of money I'm spending on delivery food, delivery food that is often not healthy. Each meal is prepared by factors, chefs, and approved by their dietitians, which leaves me to feel better about what I'm putting in my body without adding significant cooking time. So if you want to try out Factor, head to factormeals.com slash Danemore60 and use code Danemore60 to get 60% off your first box from Factor. That's code Danemore60 at factormeals.com slash Danemore60 to get 60% off your first box. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Kyle, as we are slowly trickling our way through the Timberwolves starting lineup and and what they were able to do uh, against New Orleans on Wednesday night, I guess this is actually just kind of turning into more of a bigger picture conversation, which I enjoy. Um, Let's talk about Rudy and Kyle Anderson. And I, I thought it was as apparent as any game this season that Kyle has the best chemistry on this team with, with Rudy, um, which I, I'm more meaning as praise to Kyle than I am an indictment of, of everyone else. He understands Rudy's rhythm offensively and which that pops, right? We're seeing he's the one who's delivering all of these, setting it five 
He assisted on five of Rudy's seven made baskets last night. Um, it, it really stands out offensively and defensively. It does too. Obviously those are kind of the things we have to go back and, and look at a little bit more, but in terms of impact of defense, when, when Rudy is on the floor with Kyle Anderson, it's such a game changer, man. Like, the Rudy Gobert and Kyle Anderson pairing has a net rating of plus 9.7 this season in 488 minutes. I sent you the list of all, all the other players on the team. The next highest two-man pairing for Rudy Gobert is Rudy Gobert and Jaden McDaniels, which is plus 0.1. That's the only other positive one. <laughs> Kyle Anderson plus 9.7. Jaden McDaniels and Rudy plus 0.1. Those are Rudy's two positive pairings on the floor. And for those who don't follow metrics that closely, that's insane. And it is driven by the fact that that Rudy and Kyle on the defensive end have a defensive rating of 102.9, which is so different than, you know, Rudy and Anthony Edwards, 109.4. Rudy and D'Angelo Russell, 109.4. Even Rudy and Jaden McDaniels, 107.9. Like, the impact that Kyle Anderson is having and bringing out Rudy Gobert. And I know a lot of people are on and off really frustrated in Rudy. Reality of the situation is Rudy is here and will be here. And you need mm-hmm. players who can bring this out of him. And and man, Kyle Anderson is just doing that in in a way that's blowing everyone else out of the water. You can probably talk, talk on the defensive stuff because that defensive rating 102.9 is insane. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to tweet out the chart, but it's a really funny chart because it's just like one good number and then all the other numbers are kind of bad. Um, but when I watch Kyle Anderson play on the offensive end with Rudy, it, it kind of gives me that they, they say this in football a lot when a quarterback drops back, but like to just let the play develop. And we all know Kyle Anderson's nickname being slow-mo, but like, it does seem like Kyle is just a half step slower on everything he does clearly, but that half step just allows the window to open, Yeah, right? Like just, I, I know you had some assists to go bear numbers too, which are kind of interesting, but it just. Just that half second more, I, there's some really, really cool plays in that Pelicans game where it's just he waits a half second more, everyone continues to move wherever they're going, and then Rudy's wide open for a lob, or Rudy's wide open for a bounce pass to catch and then throw it down. So he has been, and this is, I'm going to make a point, and then I'm going to throw up something that we can talk about in March, but like it does, you know, I don't know how Kyle Anderson can't be on the floor with Rudy Gobert. Long term, I mean, he's he's signed here for next year as well, so he's part of the picture. I call him the third timeline or whatever. Uh, it'll be he is the one specifically. I don't even think Ant and Ant's ability to drive and you know you want the you want the paint decluttered so Ant can do what he does. Kyle Anderson to me now is the guy who will be affected the most by Carl Anthony Towns, and when he returns, and I don't even know if that's good or bad. I just if I have to have Kyle out there and Rudy's here. And Carl has to be here. And then Jaden's the only one who can really defend or on the perimeter. And then Anthony Edwards is maybe an all-star. You, you know, and then Delo is playing. It's just you're kind of running into a numbers crunch. And it's going to make the rotation, which we thought in September was weird. It's going to make the rotation yeah. that much weirder. So if you look, well, let's do the assist numbers first. So the the player who has assisted the most Rudy Gobert baskets this season is D'Angelo Russell with 40. But he shared the floor. He shared the floor with Rudy for 956 minutes. Kyle Anderson has shared the floor with Rudy for half as many minutes as that, 488, and he has 24 assists to him. So he has been the most frequent assister of 
of Rudy this season. Carl's actually up there too. They had they had a lot of chemistry in that. But for Kyle Anderson to have 24 assists to Rudy in 488 minutes and D'Lo to have 950, 956 minutes with Rudy and only 40 assists, like that shows you how much more frequently he's finding Rudy in not only just for lobs, but in situations that he can catch and score. That's something the rest of this roster is still learning. And Kyle's kind of ahead of the curve on that with the rest of the group. I think it's a, it's the really interesting conversation point of when Cat is back, what does this mean for Kyle, who has been a super critical part of not only Rudy, but th- this team over the past two months that, that Carl's been out? How do you kind of finesse this to get all in? I went all off on my whole tangent of why I think they need to go uh, a lot bigger. Um, I, I like the idea of having Aunt Jaden and Kyle out there next to Rudy and Cat frequently, even if that's not the starting lineup. To clarify, I'm not. I don't think that D'Lo should not be starting, or I don't think that will happen. But right, I think right, you yep, need yep. to find that grouping often, and I'm just curious how they do that. And, um, and so I just started looking at like, you know, what, if we know Rudy and Kyle are good together, who, who else do we want on the floor with them? Cause it's probably going to be broken up, right? It's going to be Rudy and Kyle together. Maybe when cats off or more frequently when cats off, who else do we want in that lineup combination? So as we know, like Rudy and Kyle, great net rating together. When you add one other player into the mix, who do you think has the best net rating on this team with them? So Kyle, Rudy, and Player X. Who do you think that third player would be? Jaden. Correct. The interesting part, though, is everyone's awesome with that. <laughs> Rudy, Rudy, Kyle, and Jaden, 295 minutes. Again, these are not small samples. Plus 11.9. Rudy, Kyle, and D'Lo, plus 8.5. Rudy, Kyle, and Ant, plus 7.1. Even Rudy, Kyle, and Jalen Noel, plus 5.8. Rudy, Kyle Rivers, plus 7.1. I mean, those are the, those are the five guys he's played with the most. Torian Prince hasn't played with him very much. It's only 73 minutes, but plus 22.7. Meaning, like, whenever Rudy and Kyle have been on the floor together, pretty much anyone else you plug in there with him has really worked. Now, if you dig a little bit deeper, with Cat, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Rudy, Kyle, and Cat. It was minus 10.8, which is so different than what that is. But the context there, right, is the beginning of the season. We all saw what that looked like. And Kyle specifically was nowhere near himself at the beginning of the season. He was acclimating, one, to a new team. And he also had all these back spasms and health issues that he was dealing with at the beginning of the year. So I don't say that at all to rule out Rudy, Cat, and Kyle. That's actually, I, I want that. I think that will have similarly positive numbers to as it does with Jaden Delo and whoever else. I'm fascinated to see how Chris Finch handles this because personally, I believe you got to find this. You got to find these two, three man, four man groups that work together. Everyone where Rudy is empowered in those times. And Kyle has been the the Rudy whisperer. So how are you going to do this Finch? Um, how how willing are you going to be to play lineups where four guys are six nine or taller and your point guard's Ant? You know, or even if Ant isn't out mm-hmm. there, we want to do that with D'Lo. That's still mm-hmm. for. I mean, you're the biggest team in the NBA. Then at that at that time, 
And I'm just saying, Monstars. You you chose the Monstars path, right? Yep. Let's yep. Exactly. Let's take it. That 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 was my that was my whole biggest thing on all of that. And I'm not even necessarily talking about what coverage you're running defensively or how you're going to get to yours offensively. I'm talking about an identity and a big long identity is one that makes a lot of sense to me. Even though I admit we have not seen that grouping right, play very right. much at all this season. Yeah, and like you said, I think the general idea, or if you just said the Wolves should play, or you know, playing big is a lazy take because playing big doesn't include the fact that like two of those bigs are essentially guards. Yeah, <laughs> the Towns and Condorson are just big dudes who are guards essentially well particularly Jaden and kyle right like Jaden guards point guards and kyle Mm -hmm. often play makes plays point guard i mean the whole end of the last game who's bringing the ball up the floor and getting them to action kyle anderson you know so it's it's not that Jaden or kyle can't play guard or wing offensively or guard wings defensively they already do they're the best on the team at already Mm -hmm. doing those things so I'm just saying, put that next to your two twin towers that you spent $90 million to like dig into the earth, you know, like how do you empower those two guys? That's, that's what I'm saying. I, I and I, I, I don't and know if I've argued with anyone. I think they, I think Finch is going to do it. I'm just Britain, fascinated just, to see how he does it. And there are, you know, just to say this again, cause I don't know, we haven't mentioned it much, you and I at least, but like, I watch a lot of Grizzlies games. Like they play a lot of Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams. Um, you know, we had kind of, I think, in the preseason, maybe looked at like a team like uh, the Celtics with Horford and Rob Williams. But also, sadly, quietly, off the record, watch a lot of jazz games. They play a lot of Markinen and Kessler together now with Vando out there as well. Yep. Um, and Milwaukee, again, they're, they're, Portis, Atetokounmpo, Lopez. Like, this isn't... Because they're not all... It's not all three Tim... No, not Tim Duncan. Three David Robinsons, right? Like, it's bigs that are modern-day floor spacers or playmakers it's different levels of this i think going back to just because you said a lot of cool numbers it is mind-blowing that carl towns is second on the team in assists to rudy gobert because i was obviously on one earlier but i just looked up like basically every game that a player's missed carl's missed 29 games about and the same as sec- ad yeah i said so carl Anthony towns your 2023 western conference all-star <laughs> starter according to some uh that's just crazy that like he clearly had some chemistry with rudy yeah there, those were the battle days because that stuff wasn't really working at the time. But, you know, it. that's why this whole thing, is, again, is going to be so interesting when Carl comes back, whenever that may be, because uh, I think that the, I don't want to say lazy take, but like the easy thing would be, well, well, Carl and Rudy played together, didn't work last time. But this is all so much different yeah. now, right? Like, Ant is not the player he was back then. And now, you know, your critical take would be, well, he's going to revert to that when they get Carl back. I don't know. Maybe this is just who Ant is now. D'Lo, you know, just all these guys that have found more of a role, more of a comfort zone that you plug well, just Carl think back about in how and... much they've all, like, think about the way in which they're using D'Angelo Russell in the first 15 games of the season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it that wasn't even just tied to Cat. It was, even right. when Cat was off the floor, you know, D'Angelo was functioning as the point guard, like capital P, capital G. That has changed. And I think not just because Cat is out, like, and Ant started initiating the offense a lot more. Kyle started initiating the offense a lot more. Delos really moved more into a combo guard role. Ant has moved into more of a lead playmaking role. 
I don't think that's all about cat. I think that's found money that can be applied to when cat is back as well. So I'm with you. Is there still going to be some sort of a chuck? I don't think you just plop Carl in and we're like, boom, there we go. Like number one offense in the league. But it sh- the assumption should not, I'm with you. I don't think the assumption should be that it's going to be anything like the the beginning yeah. of the season. And they'll probably be new mm-hmm. different warts, right? And mm-hmm. new different lineup combinations that are are funky there too. But man, I would just anticipate it going way cleaner. It's funny though that we did, whether when we were in Vegas for preseason or whatever, September, October, like Carl Anthony Towns, this team's Joe Ingles. Nope, that is Kyle Anderson. I mean, <laughs> Kyle Anderson and Joe Ingles are just right-handed, left-handed versions of themselves. A little slower, vets can spread the floor, but just going back to the original kind of topic, well, I mean, they just they just know how to play with Rudy and their ability to, as the game gets more physical and the game gets faster and there's all these guys have so much speed and athleticism, their ability to just see everything a half step slower in a good way has just really, I mean, I, I know you've done this a couple of times too, but like, saying that was Rudy that was Rudy Gobert from Utah last night was to me about as much as Rudy Gobert looked like in Minnesota as he looked like in all those dominant years in Utah he was I mean I kind of forgot Jonas Valanciunas was on the floor I mean he just bullied whoever they put on him whether it be a big or they tried to go small and defensively too I mean I just I I didn't write this down but I was just like after the game looking at what the Pelicans shot within like 14 feet of the basket and it was like mm-hmm, 50 percent mm-hmm. And and that's a product of Rudy and and the numbers all year have screamed that the defense is significantly better with Rudy, whether that's altogether players missing more shots when in that short mid range rim area or not taking them at all. Like that has happened and is only happening more and more frequently as as the year goes on. And also something that I do think, again, will apply to when Carl's back. And this is this is for the. uh the body language doctors like myself, but I also thought the, the Wolves had pulled away in the game last night. It was kind of over, but it was, I thought it was a pretty cool moment uh, when Rudy kind of had that chase down block. They were up seven. There's only like 12 sure. seconds, but it was probably over. Um, but if you can go back and like the, the bench responded to that, like he basically went three, four, three quarters court to chase down that guy to get the block that sealed the game. And that was, that was it. That was the sealer, even though the game was probably over anyway, but those little things, right? Like that happened at I, the I, end of the that Pacers game where he blocked Buddy Heald too. Like it was flashbacks yep, to yep. that. And I think I think I got to credit John Krasinski on this, but he was he had said once, like you got to do a couple things that remind not only the opponents that you're there, like whether it be you know a hard foul or whatever, but kind of remind all these young teammates you have, like yeah, this is who I am. Like this is why I won three Defensive Player of the Year awards. Like again, the play itself probably wasn't a big deal, but in a game that's kind of over to sprint down the court and kind of be like, no, 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 we're not even giving up easy baskets, no matter what the result is. I just thought that was kind of a cool moment and something that, that I, you know, you put a pin in it, let's see if it sure. kind of makes them respond more moving forward. into as we said earlier, it's a huge weekend of basketball. I, one last thing to get to from that game, because I thought of you uh, when this was happening, Willie Green getting ejected. Like, cause wasn't it last Friday when, when you were on and you were like, Chris Finch needs to do that. And I always, I don't know, I've obviously never coached at that level. I obviously never know exactly, like, how impactful that is or isn't, like, getting ejected for your team. I was like, that that worked for the Pelicans, you know, last night and didn't win the game. But, like, that was clearly an intentional Willie Green standing up for his players and intentionally trying to get ejected um, to, to do so. It's just, 
it's just a funny juxtaposition given that you were like, I think Finch needs to do that one time. The fact that you made us, everyone listening to this, wait an hour to get into what I wanted to be topic number one is selfish on your part. But uh, no, I, you know, I just said it last week because another one of my takes that I do love the league right now. I do love the NBA. I'm an NBA guy. I want players to play. I love tuning into any game. But the officiating, and I'm saying this on both sides, the officiating has never been worse. There are so many, even in that Rockets game, I was saying this earlier this week, like when Rudy got fouled on the head on the alley-oop, didn't get the end one, was mad about it, and then got a technical. It was like a two-point swing. Like that stuff matters in games when you're a team that doesn't have a big margin anyway. Um, we had the Wolves were up, I think, 13 last night. The game was pretty much over. And I thought the Pelicans had gotten a really bad whistle. <laughs> they had gotten Alvarado a couple times. Um, I admit that like the Wolves were kind of on the lucky side of it. But Willie Green went, nuclear and he wasn't if you watch the game i thought they gave him a pretty long runway like okay here's the tech you know whatever i mean he just kept he's like i'm getting tossed out of this he game. worked for it yeah and it resulted i mean it was a i think it was a foul call on the floor so they're in the bonus so it's two shots and then there was one technical and i think maybe on Alvarado, and then two more on willie green's so like five free throws and willie green didn't care because you know we might be down 17 of course and the wolves choked on a couple and it made it way too close but the whole point is is that that was a moment that the fans responded the players responded and i don't coach really either like i don't know sometimes that's just not how finch thinks or whatever and i think finch is a great coach but sometimes those moments when you just made willie green probably knew it was over even though the pelicans made a run back but i think that's a really cool moment and i think that stuff matters and i know it's not probably stored on basketball reference or anything but i think sometimes the personal aspect of just being like you know what let me get fined let me get the technicals you know chris finch has a guy in his team who we want to make the all-star team is taking this leap and stuff he also is really close to getting suspended and if Ant gets suspended for hitting the 16 technical mark that's like a couple hundred thousand dollars compared to if finch gets ejected for a game so again finch can do whatever he wants but i thought the willie green moment showed that sometimes that stuff matters because if the Pelicans win that game last night, I would have made you go an hour and a half on Willie Green getting suspended <laughs> or getting ejected. I, I just found myself as I was I, again was thinking about our conversation and I'm watching and rewinding, watching Willie Green like lose his mind. And I was just like, what would this even look like if it was Finch? Like I was like, I right. kind of <laughs> want to see Finch like yeah. that upset, like because he does like, and I think that is part of his actual like coaching philosophy is like staying relative and it's just his personality yeah, in cool. general that's actually a bonus for mm -hmm. sure but i was obviously at some point it's gonna happen right whether it's a strategic thing or not or he just blows a gasket i'm like i'm just i'm just interested to it, to see what it looks like if chris finch does it it reminds me of like one time i was with my friends and something i don't know what happened i was like a teenager but something happened and then my dad just kind of like lost his mind and we we're all like kind of snapped to like wait like, Jeff, chill out. Like, we're fine. And that's like what the Pelicans did because they were all over, like, you know, the, the Pelicans fans were chanting the same chant that gets chanted a lot at Target Center towards the officiating. Um, and Willie Green kind of taking it all on himself to be like, let me be the guy that gets thrown. Let me be the guy that's the enemy. All the players kind of like had clear minds. Like, okay, we just got to play for coach now. Like, coach, chill out. We're going we're gonna to fight for you. So it was a cool moment. Again, everyone coaches differently. Everyone has different philosophies. I think being level-headed is actually a good thing for Finch on a team that is pretty immature. But, you know, as we say, once a pod, like the, they get a weird whistle, whether it be Rudy or whether it be Jaden, a lot of it's deserved, but sometimes it's not. And I think that stuff, I think it would be beneficial in a moment like last night. Kyle, let's wrap this up with um, 
prize picks. We do this every Friday, um, or we have throughout the NFL season. We pick uh, a, a couple picks from the NFL slate of games uh, that we put into a little combo prize pick sort of thing. Jason and I picked a few um, on Wednesday's show. And I'm looking for you to have a couple of prize picks for for this Sunday NFL slate conference finals championship. It's going to be such good football. I'm so excited. Uh, Miles Sanders, 51 and a half rushing yards under. Uh, I think that 49, I mean, this they showed it last week, but I think Zeke's total last week against the 49ers was like 34. Clearly they had Pollard too. But again, my point is that you just can't really run on this 49ers team. Uh, and I think Jalen Hurts will be doing a lot more with with his arm and his leg. So Miles Sanders under 51 and a half rushing yards. And then inspired by you, those little combo things. Price picks is up. really on a heater right now. Uh, you can just do George Kittle and Dallas Goddard. Are uh, the two tight ends in that game combined for over 0.5 rushing and receiving touchdowns? So basically, I'm just saying, I think Kittle or I think Dallas Goddard, two big targets on those teams. One of them is going to find the end zone. Um, but should be great games. Shout out to Prize Picks promo code Dane. Uh, I'm excited. See if we can do the thing where we uh, weave ours together. I I picked with Jace, Kittle and Goddard combined yep. for I less than down. 94 and a half receiving yards. So I don't know. They could they could combine for less than 94 and a half receiving yards, and one of them at least uh, get in the end zone. We'll both we'll both hit that. And then I also had um, Jalen Hurts and Kenneth Gainwell combining to score oh, over 0.5 touchdowns one of them get into the end zone so those are me and Kyle's picks for this weekend um um prize picks again not just for the NFL NBA lines up all the time it's it's hard for us to be able to get we're often recording these um in the morning before the the lines are set for Wolves games hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit more NBA with these as the as the season goes on but if you are looking for a prize picks account and um uh, you know wanting to just have something on the line this weekend during those NFL games. You can do that at pricepicks.com or the Price Picks app. Again, promo code Dane um, for a $100 sign-up bonus. Not a sports book. It's Daily Fantasy, so you can play in Minnesota. All right, Kyle, big weekend ahead. Actually, big. I, I talked about this with Jace before the New Orleans game. Six-game homestand here, man. Like, And then it's road heavy the, the rest mm-hmm. of the way. Totally, that I feel like I say this all the time, but like totally a time to make hay and probably a requirement to make hay. Um, if you do want to get out of that play and mix, if you want to, if you have your eyes set at at least the six seed, like this has got to be, this has got to be the run because um, the schedule is very difficult in terms of the opponents and difficult in terms of where the games are being played. So, I'm I'm pumped for this time. I think it's six games in the next nine days, all at Target Center. Um, we're gonna have fun with it. Like, where where are you at in the importance of this stretch here? Well, it's funny, right? Because for however long we kept saying, you know, small sample size, small sample size. Let's you know, let's give them some time. Well, all of a sudden it's like they're 25 and 25, and there's only 32 games left. And if you just go look at the schedule, you would say to yourself, "Oh man, there's no more Pistons or Rockets." That's probably a good thing, right? Like they they have Grizzlies, Kings, Kings, Warriors, Magic, Nuggets, Nuggets, Jazz, Grizzlies, Mavericks. Like this team has just shown, and again, this is a frustrating season. This is a frustrating team to cover. They have just shown no ability to beat bad teams. But as they did against the Pelicans last night, even without Zion, Wolves without Cat, like they get up for these big games. And now every win, like when you beat the Rockets, 
you might move up in the standings one game, but whatever, the Rockets aren't in this. Like now it's like not only do you move up in the yeah, standings, double whammy. to bring people down. Yeah, it's a double whammy. So uh an incredible I would say sprint. I mean, you look at the NBA standings and each conference has a couple teams that are just up there, and then three or four to eleven or twelve or thirteen, it's all muddied. You factor in a trade deadline that's I think two weeks from today. Yeah. You're gonna have weird buyers, weird sellers. Uh I, this is it for me. Like this is now it's a sprint. Now it is must win. You can't lose a game to a magic team that might be fun, but every game now is like a must win. Every game for the next 32 games, the next two and a half months, I would argue is a playoff game. And I, I would, I would point out too, that like in, it, maybe it's a bad draw in terms of like the quality of these opponents where we just look at them on paper, but like where they've kind of made up for the difficult draw recently is in, context like the two times they played the nuggets here over the past what is that three four weeks both times the nuggets were on a back-to-back i believe oh yep yep um the pelicans yeah that, that helped against the pelicans mm-hmm. on on wednesday night. the Pels went long against denver on on tuesday night and they were on a losing streak too like the pelicans were not have not been playing well going into that game and they took advantage of that memphis is it's not a back-to-back for memphis tomorrow but memphis has lost four straight too and you know, I'm is Steven Adams, the most important player on that team. No, um, but but he's out of the mix in that one who can be a real <laughs> a real problem on the offensive glass for this team, as we know. Um, so it, it's as brutal of a schedule as it is. Uh, I think at least early on right now, they've they've been catching teams at a catching good teams at a good time. And uh, you hope that's a trend that carries through Memphis. I mean, Sacramento is really rolling. Here, here recently, I've started getting the chance to hone in on them a little bit more. Yeah. I most of my like NBA watching is I watch the team that the Wolves are playing next, their previous yeah, game. Yeah. And so I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, I mean, I probably only watched like five Kings games this year. I'm like, why? Why is that? And I realized they they play the Kings four more times in these last thirty two <laughs> games. And I'm like, oh, that's why I haven't like stumbled upon the 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 Kings as much uh, this season. That that's gonna be two big ones on Saturday and Monday too. Well, I think I think Britt had this as like the first sentence in his column or his tweet about his column this week, but that the Wolves, despite the chaos and the picks and the not meeting dis- or, or expectations so far and being a 500 team, uh, this is like the second best season they've had, right? In like 20 years or some stuff like these. Ge- when's the last time you could go to a game in February and it was actually somewhat meaningful? So, I mean, I really do like yeah. these next 32 games, any game. That, and you've told me this before off the record, like Target Center has like a little extra juice to it this year it seems like it comes with the tv as the fans are out of their minds so mm-hmm. you're basically getting i know it sounds really lame but you're basically getting playoff basketball now for every home game moving forward because this team every week now it's like if you win a couple games you move up nine spots in the power rankings and if you lose a couple games you fall all the way to the bottom it's the same way in the standings so uh really really important basketball games you hope you get Carl and towns back torian prince jordan mclaughlin but uh they treaded water Right, that's all you could, I guess, ask for. Yeah, treaded to fifty. Treaded to fifty yep. games. Yep. And now you need to start swimming. So the the teams that are going to swim are to be the ones that survive. Uh, and it's going to be just fantastic basketball these next couple of weeks and months. Yeah, it's uh, it was ten and eleven with Carl, fifteen and fourteen without him, and you're going to need to be even more above five hundred uh, the the rest of the way here to to get into the five six seed in the West, and you know the. The fun part about that is like nobody's watching this version of the Wolves team for the past 25 games and being like, 
this is a team that can go on a run in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. there's at least the, the exciting thing about being 25 and 25 and being able to go on a run is they actually have reinforcements coming, right? I, I wouldn't, again, if Carl had been playing this whole time and they're 25 and 25, I'd be like, oh, it would be good to you know get in the playoffs, get some experience with the group. You can, you can frame it. I'm not buying in on this, but you can frame it where it's like, all right, like let's get rolling and let's get cat and um, let's get a five or six seed, knock someone off and go to the second round. Like that can be a reasonable mentality given the fact that Carl's missed 30 games and he is the best or second best player on, on this team. Like that is coming in time. It sure seems so. Uh, that's why I've been so fascinated with the interim is because I knew this final chapter of the regular season had that, right? It's why I was interested in what they did or why I was interested of how they could keep their heads above water in this time. They have. Um, they probably got another 10, 15 games more without Cat. And, uh, you know, then let's let's see where they go from there. But starts this weekend, big six-game homestand. Before things get tough, um, I'm excited to be there at Target Center to take it in. Kyle, I appreciate you coming on and uh, doing this on, on a Thursday evening so that maybe people can have some more time to listen to this before uh, the games on Friday. And hopefully, if you're listening to it over the weekend, too, a lot of the all-star conversation. I think this is a little bit more bigger picture. Hope everybody found it uh, informative. Thank you, Kyle, for coming on. Thanks. Thank you very much. Um, all right. I will not be back until Monday morning um, with Chris Hine. Wolves will have played two more games in that time. This Memphis Sacramento back to back. And uh, we'll we'll reassess from there. Um, in in the meantime, I had a lot of pods this week. Kyle and Phil over at Flagrant Howells also talk. So go check them out there as well. And I'll be back to talk to you on Monday. Until then, he's Kyle at Kyle Tige. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah I'm Mark Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.